Welcome to the Teaching Behavior Together podcast, where I provide you with actionable steps for making your classroom management plan effective by incorporating behavioral and social-emotional learning activities into your daily teaching. Hi, I'm Maria, and I have 10 years experience in the field of behavior analysis. In each episode, I will be providing you with effective and evidence-based strategies you can use to create a classroom environment you want to go to each morning. No longer will you be driving home in tears over the overwhelming feeling of trying to manage student behaviors. So sit back, listen up, and start seeing success. everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Teaching Behavior Together podcast. I am so glad that you're back for another episode and today we're going to be talking about something really exciting. We're going to be talking about consequences and the reason I say that this is exciting is because this is a topic that I've wanted to talk about for a while. I've talked about it a little bit on Instagram but you guys know Instagram is really hard to talk about topics at length because you really only get 15 seconds a story to talk about something. So I'm really excited that we are doing an entire episode on consequences. So today we are going to be talking about what consequences are and how to use them effectively in your classroom. For those of you who do follow me on Instagram, you know that I'm not hugely fond of the word consequence because consequence is often associated with punishment, right? A lot of times when people are talking about consequences, they're really talking about punishment. And sometimes in the field of education, we hear phrases such as, what's the consequence for that behavior? Or did the student even get a consequence for that behavior? And what the person is really asking most of the time is, what was the punishment for that behavior? Or did the student even get a punishment for that behavior? I'm going to be doing an entire episode on punishment, but for right now, I really just want to talk about what consequences are at the very basic unit. A consequence is just something that occurs after a behavior. Whether good or bad, it is whatever the event is that happens after that behavior. Every single behavior we engage in has a consequence. So if you think about our behavior, anything we do, the something else follows after at some point in time. Whatever that something is, is the consequence to that behavior. Let's take a really super simple behavior that we engage in on a daily basis. Think of the consequences of brushing your teeth in the morning. The consequence of brushing your teeth is that you have clean teeth, right? That's a positive consequence. And so often we think of consequences at these negative things. And I really want us to be thinking about consequences as whatever happens after the behavior. Now let's do another example. Think about the consequences of tying your shoes. The consequence of tying your shoes is that they don't fall off your feet. Again, another positive consequence of our behavior. There are also undesired consequences, right? Think of a consequence of not wearing your seatbelt. A consequence could be that you get pulled over in a ticket for not wearing your seatbelt. That's something that we don't want to happen. Regardless of whether we want it to happen or not, every single behavior we engage in has a consequence. So just like I was talking about with brushing your teeth and tying your shoes, those behaviors have consequences. And those are positive consequences, right? We brush our teeth to have clean teeth. We tie our shoes so our shoes don't fall off when we're walking or running. Those are things that we want to happen. So as we start to move away from thinking that consequences are just something negative or punitive, I really want us to expand what we think of consequences are as just whatever directly happens after the behavior. 
Now, there are two different types of consequences, one called natural consequences and the other called logical consequences. Those are the two types of consequences we are going to focus on today. We're also going to talk about reinforcement and punishment. Those will be talked about in the next two episodes, respectively. So next week, we're talking all about reinforcement and how to use it effectively in your classroom. And then the following week, we're going to be talking about punishment. But for right now, we're just going to stick with consequences at the very basic unit. So the first type of consequence I want to talk about is a natural consequence. Those are consequences that occur without any mediation from someone else in the environment. Take brushing your teeth, for example. No one else has to give you clean teeth. The act of brushing your teeth by yourself gives you clean teeth, right? So there's no one else mediating that consequence for you. Same with tying your shoes. You tie your shoes and they don't fall off. No one else has to be present for that consequence to occur. It's a little bit different with the example that we talked about with the seatbelts. With the seatbelt example, someone else is giving you that ticket, right? The police officer is issuing you a ticket for not wearing your seatbelt. That is a socially mediated consequence. So again, natural consequences are just consequences that occur that don't require anyone else being present for that consequence to occur. They're not mediated by anything else. They just naturally occur in the environment. Think about when you eat something for breakfast or lunch. The natural consequence to eating food is that you feel full. No one else has to be present for you to receive that feeling of being full. So let's talk about naturally occurring consequences in our school environment, right? So say it is outdoor recess and it just drizzled and rained and you have a student who starts running on the playground when it's still a little bit slippery and they trip and they fall. That's a natural consequence to running on a wet playground. No one else had to be around to mediate that consequence. Sticking with a playground example, now say you have a student who's swinging on the swing and they're pumping themselves and they're going really high and they're having a lot of fun. The consequence of pumping yourself is that you get higher and higher on the swing. Again, a natural consequence to being on a swing and pumping your legs back and forth is that you get higher and higher. No one else had to be there for that consequence to occur. Naturally occurring consequences happen each and every day for the large majority of our behavior, right? A lot of our behavior is consequated by something that no one else has anything to do with. Now, natural consequences can either be desired or undesired, right? Take the example of the student running on a wet playground. Tripping and falling is probably an undesired consequence. That student is probably not going to run on a wet playground again or is less likely to run on a playground again because they don't want to trip and fall. Now with the student swinging on the swing, the consequence of pumping yourself and getting higher and higher is probably a desired consequence. So the likelihood that they're going to go back on the swing and pump themselves is probably likely in the future. Let's take our other examples. Brushing your teeth, the likelihood that you're going to brush your teeth each day to have clean teeth is pretty high, right? That's something that we do because it's desired that we have clean teeth and you don't have that nasty taste in your mouth. Same with tying your shoes. No one wants to be walking around and their shoe to be falling off every three steps because you didn't tie them. So the likelihood that you are going to be tying your shoes increases in the future because that's a desired consequence. As you can see, natural consequences occur each and every day. These were just a few examples that I can think of for this podcast. But what I want to say about natural consequences is that because they do occur each and every day, that a lot of our behaviors are increased or decreased just because of what naturally occurs in the environment. So those naturally occurring consequences will either increase desired behaviors or decrease undesired behaviors in our classroom all on their own. But 
there's also something called a logical consequence. Now, a logical consequence is something that is mediated by someone else in the environment. This means that someone else is deciding what that consequence is. The principle of logical consequences is that the consequence has to match the behavior in some way or be a logical extension of the behavior. Let's talk about some examples of illogical consequences of a behavior. Remember, logical consequences are mediated through someone else, meaning that someone else is deciding that consequence for you. So say one day you forget to set your alarm and you show up half an hour late to work on accident. If your principal came up to you and said, because you were late to work, you have to do everyone's recess duty for a month, that's not really logical to showing up for work late, right? It might be, hey, you know what? You showed up for work late. The contract says that we have to work X amount of hours, just stay an extra half an hour after work, and you're all good. See, in this example, the consequence matches the behavior. Let's take another example. Say in your classroom, you have a student who throws a tantrum. An illogical consequence might be that because they threw a tantrum in your classroom, they miss recess. If the tantrum didn't happen during recess, missing recess really doesn't go with that behavior. Maybe the logical consequence is that during choice time, they have to practice with you different coping strategies so that they are more equipped to deal with their feelings and handle their behavior in your classroom in a more appropriate way. Oops, guys, I totally forgot to mention this, or maybe I kind of mentioned it but didn't say it super explicitly. Consequences don't have to be this horrible bad thing. A consequence to a behavior can be a learning opportunity, which is what I want to spend the rest of the episode talking about. But just like for that example that the student had to use their choice time to practice different coping strategies with you, that's not meant to be a punishment, right? We don't want students to think that practicing coping strategies is a punishment to their behavior, but we want to look at it as, well, this is an opportunity for us to teach a student a skill so that they don't engage in tantrum behavior anymore, but instead engage in an appropriate coping strategy to manage their feelings. Now that we've talked about both natural and logical consequences, we're going to spend the rest of the episode talking about how to use consequences effectively in our classrooms. I'm going to focus the rest of the episode on logical consequences because, well, I don't have any control over naturally occurring consequences, right? Those happen in the environment completely on their own. What we do have control over is logical consequences. And a really effective strategy for utilizing logical consequences in your classroom is to utilize them as teaching opportunities for your students. So with all the examples that we talked about today, think about the logical consequences that allow you to teach a student a new skill. Let's take another example of an undesired behavior in our classroom. Say you have a student who, when they're playing a game with other students, often takes the other student's turn or has a really hard time waiting for their own turn. So maybe a logical consequence to that would be that they have to spend choice time with you playing a game and practicing that turn-taking behavior. This gives you time to teach that student a skill that they can utilize the next time they are playing a game with their friends. Again, the consequence doesn't have to be a punitive thing. It can be a learning opportunity. I would argue that this is the most effective way to utilize consequences in our classroom. I'm going to be doing the entire episode on punishment, but I just want to give you a quick little spoiler. Oftentimes, the way that punishment is used, it's not effective. You've probably seen some consequences similar to these sending a student to an office, or maybe them missing out on recess, or maybe them having to sit in the back of the room. All of those consequences don't actually teach a student any new skills. So most of the time, they're not exactly effective because the student has no other skills in their repertoire to engage in appropriate behavior because we haven't explicitly taught them. 
Most of the time when students aren't engaging in appropriate behavior, it's either because one, they don't know how to engage in that appropriate behavior, or they do, but they just don't know how to do it well enough that they're readily able to do it in various situations. So we need to step in and teach that skill explicitly so that they're more successful in that environment. And that's how I would use logical consequences. I would absolutely use those opportunities as learning opportunities for your student where you can teach them new skills so that they are better equipped to contact success in any environment that they're in. I know this is a super new way of thinking about consequences, but I'll tell you, if we're teaching skills and we're building skills, we're gonna be so much more successful with this approach than with a typical approach in which we send students to the office or make them write an apology note or potentially take away recess or choice time from them when we don't use those opportunities to teach the student a new skill. I just wanna quickly pause and talk about what we've already talked about in this episode, a quick little recap. We've talked about naturally occurring consequences and how those consequences are just things that occur in our environment. They can be desired or undesired, and sometimes those are enough to change behavior without any mediation from someone else in the environment. There are also logical consequences, and logical consequences are consequences that are mediated through someone else, meaning that someone else is controlling or dictating that consequence. So far in this episode, I've talked about how we should use logical consequences as teaching opportunities for our students so we can teach students skills explicitly and they're able to more readily engage in those behaviors in our classrooms. Now I want to talk a little bit about how we develop a plan for logical consequences, right? Because naturally occurring consequences have already happened. We have no control over that. What we do have control over is logical consequences. Now let's talk about how we can use logical consequences effectively in our classrooms. There's no perfect framework for this, meaning that I can't tell you each and every behavior and what the logical consequence should be for that behavior. But what I can tell you to do is to get out a piece of paper and draw three columns on your piece of paper. In the first column, I would write down five to 10 behaviors that occur in your classroom that are behaviors that are undesired, behaviors that you don't wanna see anymore. Once you have those identified, in your second column, next to each of those behaviors, write down one or a couple of skills that a student might be lacking that prohibits them from engaging in the desired behavior. So for example, say a student engages in a tantrum, right? That's a behavior that we don't wanna see in our classroom. Some lacking skills might be that the student doesn't have coping strategies that they can readily utilize. Maybe the student has difficulty expressing their needs and wants in those situations. So those might be lacking skills that we write in that column. Now in the third column, what I want you to write down is specific skills that we can teach them that would allow them to engage in a more desired behavior. So again, with the tantrum example, if the student doesn't have well-developed coping strategies, then maybe this is a skill that we decide to teach, right? So we teach them different coping strategies that they can engage in that help them manage their behavior. Or if the student isn't able to communicate their needs and wants in that moment, we teach them appropriate ways to access what they need or want when they become upset or frustrated or appropriate ways to communicate that they need help or assistance in that situation. I would repeat this for all of the behaviors on your list. So let's take another example. Say you have a student who is calling other students names. That's definitely a behavior that we don't wanna see in our classrooms. So maybe in your second column, you write down some skills that that student might be lacking, such as appropriate social skills to initiate or sustain a conversation with other students, or they might be lacking some skills on identifying what's kind and unkind to say to our friends. So in that third column, you might write down some social skills that you can teach them. Maybe you can teach them appropriate ways to initiate and continue a conversation with other peers, and you can teach them to differentiate between what's kind and unkind to say to our peers in our classroom. 
So now that we have our three column paper completely filled out, right? So you probably paused this episode, wrote down some lagging skills that our students might have that prohibit them from engaging in desired behaviors in our classroom. And you also wrote down a plan for the skills that you need to teach them so that they are able to engage in those desired behaviors. What I would do now is work to develop either lessons or look for some lessons on how to teach these skills appropriately in your classroom. You can potentially carve out time during choice time or maybe during your small groups to work with students who need to bolster their skills in these areas. This gives you a roadmap for how you're going to address these behaviors when you see them in your classroom. Therefore, you have a well thought out systematic plan that allows you to make decisions in the moment because you already have a plan for whatever occurs after that behavior in your classroom. There might be times where this might need to be a little bit more individualized depending on whatever the behavior is or the student's needs and skills, but now you have a general framework that you can build off of and it leaves you with something systematic to do in these situations as opposed to having to think of something on a whim or go with other consequences that are commonly utilized in your building. I promise you that if you take this approach, you will see so much success with your students. I promise, promise, promise that if you work on building the skills of your students and utilizing logical consequences to do this for their behavior, I promise, if I haven't said it enough, that this will be effective. I would really try to utilize this plan in your classroom and just see how it goes for you. Maybe take some data on the behaviors after you implement these strategies and see if those desired behaviors increase in your classroom. What I can tell you is using some of the more traditional methods of consequences, again, such as sending a student out of your classroom or making them sit out of recess, is not going to be effective as this. In fact, you're probably going to see those behaviors occurring a lot in your classroom if we aren't utilizing time to teach students new skills. I do want to add a quick disclaimer. Now, this is not going to be a plan that works for every single behavior in every single classroom. There are certainly behaviors that can occur in our classrooms that might need a different approach. Any behavior that is at risk of harming the student themselves or other students or adults in the building is a behavior that you might need to utilize a different type of consequence strategy for. Maybe in that moment, a student does need to be sent home or sent to the principal's office. But in the days after that behavior has occurred, I would really, really encourage you to utilize your systematic approach to addressing behaviors and focus on teaching that student some skills. Because even though that behavior served a different type of consequence right after the behavior occurred, the students still need skills to engage in behaviors appropriately, right? If they're engaging in severe behavior in your classroom, we need to really be focusing on what skills that student might be lacking so that we can increase those skills and teach them explicitly the skills that they need to contact success in our classrooms. Okay, disclaimer over. I really hope that this episode was helpful in reframing the way that we think about consequences. I know it can be a really different approach than a lot of us are used to, but I promise that it is effective because when we focus on teaching skills, we are able to utilize reinforcement for those appropriate skills and increase those desired behaviors. That leads me into a perfect segue into talking about next week's episode. We're going to be talking all about what reinforcement is, the different types of reinforcement, and how to use it effectively in your classroom. In this episode, we're going to go well beyond stickers and tokens as reinforcers, but really talk about what reinforcement is as a process, how reinforcers can be utilized in our classrooms effectively, and how to utilize reinforcement so we do move away from just the stickers and tokens methods of reinforcement. Not that there's anything wrong with those methods, but I know a lot of teachers want different options to utilizing reinforcement in their classroom, so we do focus on how reinforcement functions as a process, which will give you the ability to utilize reinforcement however you like in your classroom. And then in the following episode, we talk all about punishment. 
Just to give you a little bit more of a roadmap, the following episode is going to be a Q&A episode, so if you haven't already, please submit a question by following me on Instagram at Teaching Behavior Together and send me a message. If you have any questions you would like me to answer, I'd be happy to do it for you in that episode. And then we're going to be going into a behavioral and classroom management series. I talk more about that at the end of next week's episode. So for right now, that's all I have for you. I really hope this episode was helpful and allowed you to learn about different consequence systems and how we can utilize them effectively in our classrooms. If you liked the episode, please leave a rating and possibly a review. You can also follow me over on Instagram at Teaching Behavior Together, where I talk about different tips and tricks for behavioral strategies as well as social emotional learning. And if you haven't already, please sign up for my email list. You can do this by following me on Instagram and clicking the link in my bio and clicking on the Give Me the Free Resources link, where if you put your email in, you get some free resources from me right away. And you also get weekly emails with different tips and strategies as well as monthly freebies. Thank you so much for listening and have a great rest of the day.